Welcome back to the Just Means Less ACC podcast with your hosts, Micah and Nick. Nick, how are we doing this Tuesday evening? Uh, pretty good, man. Uh, I can't complain too much. Had the day off today, so I was able to get a lot of things done, which I always love to do. Um, so, yeah, that was basically it. It's You asked me, or I think the way you introduced Sunday's episode was this beautiful Sunday evening. And you're like, well, wait, I hope it's beautiful there. And it was raining. Today was absolutely gorgeous. It was it wasn't a clouded sight. And it was 73 degrees. So I spent some time outside. It was a nice day. How was your day? That's good, man. My, my dude, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like a 70 year old dude. I got a knot in my shoulder that Comes back, goes away, comes back, goes away. Dude, I'm falling apart. But other than that, I'm all right. I'm, That's, funny. Uh, That's funny. I got a, <laughs> I had uh, my back worked on today. So <laughs> That's kind of well, see, I go to the chiropractor, but like, dude, I can't afford to go to a chiropractor every week. Like, that stuff adds up quick. And like, it's gotten to the point where like, you know, like, and I'm not like doing anything crazy. I'm walking, but like, right. I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm half tempted to go see a different chiropractor and just kind of see, like, you know, not to say that mine's not good, but, like, sometimes you get those chiropractors that just adjust you and you move on. I was kind of spoiled in Nebraska. We had, like, our team chiropractor would, like, you know, do release points and stuff like that that really, like, he, he wanted to get to the root of why you had an ache or whatever. So, right, yeah, I don't know. But, like, I get a massage and stuff, too, like, it's, and there's always stuff in my shoulder blades going on. But I don't know, man. I'm just, I guess I'm old and falling apart. So, yeah. like, it I mean, stinks because, like, I want to get back into the gym, but, like, I also don't want to actually hurt myself. So, like, yeah. I've been trying to just focus on the diet portion and, and stuff for a while to give my body a chance to rest. But, man, I don't know what it needs. <laughs> I, I, I feel you, brother. I, I've been dealing with uh, nerve problems in my neck and my shoulders ever since I was like very young in high school, like 15 years old. And it all started when I was putting on, like getting ready for school. I was putting on a shirt and I pinched a nerve in my neck, just doing that. And ever since then I've been prone to it. And then I've been dealing with these nerve and brat problems for like 10 years. And then my mom was like, you should just go see a chiropractor. Like you've never done that before. Why don't you go see him? And then I know this girl, um, very nice lady who, uh, actually I buy farm fresh eggs from, but, uh, she told me that she does this thing called Bowman therapy and it like works the nervous. I don't know how she does it. It's like a full body thing where she is just getting all the nerves and all the pinpoints and muscles and the combination with the chiropractor, which can be expensive. Luckily my chiropractor is really isn't like I saw him four times in about two months and it was like 40 or $50 an appointment. And then after that, he was like, okay, you should be all set. And then like, whatever you're feeling something, go, go give me a call and we'll, we'll work on you. So I haven't felt anything bad. I've just, now it's just like maintenance. So I probably am now going to go like once a month just to maintain because this is the best I've felt since I was 15. So yeah, and see, that's my thing is, like, that's what I used to do is go get a massage and an adjustment because that's what I have my my masseuse or whatever is attached to the chiropractor that I have. Right. So she, you know, 
I get adjusted and then she does the massage, but you know, it's a hundred dollars for both and it's an hour long deep tissue. So I mean, it's a good deal when you, you think about, you know, what those normally cost separately, but like, I can't go every week. I don't got $400 a month, like, <laughs> yeah, to spend yeah. on, you know, chiropractic and massage work. And, like, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully we can get to the bottom of it. But I bought a massage gun. I bought a portable ice bath thing. So I've been doing that. Hopefully that'll help. But who knows, man. Enough about aches and pains. That's just life at this point. Let's talk the fun stuff. Nick, we're going to be boots on the ground for... Three of I don't, I don't even I don't even know how many AC games are this week. I probably should know it off the top of my head, but regardless, we'll be boots on the ground for three of a certain amount. Let's see, one, two, three, four, six, eight. Three of the nine. That's pretty good. Hey, we're, we're batting. Yeah, we're, we're right now. We're an all-star hitter. Bro, we're we're a Hall of Fame. So, are you kidding me? You go in the Hall of Fame with three thirty-three average? Hell yeah. We're yeah, but this is just. This is just one week. Let's calm down, okay? Like we gotta, we're gonna, we're gonna throw a Hall of Fame out there. We gotta look at our lifetime stats and. Uh, yeah, yeah. Then we're, know, we're, we're like we're like National League Player of the Week. <laughs> I'm I'm out, I'm out here carrying the team. We're going off that, you know, ACC game scene, but it is what it is. You know, I'm used to. That's probably why my shoulder hurts. I'm tired of carrying you, Nick. Well, that's I, what it I, is. I've been to a lot. Nick, we're not going to play this game, but you know for a fact you uh, haven't even touched probably well, are you half. Strict, are, are you strictly just talking ACC games, or are you talking yeah, all Yeah, I'm strictly talking ACC games. Nick, I had years in high school and college where I went to at least six ACC games a year. Oh, I thought, okay, I thought you were talking about, like, since we've been doing this. But Since yeah. we've been doing this, you probably have me beat, but that's not fair because I lived in Nebraska. <laughs> Honestly, I bet it's closer than you think because you're psycho and you go everywhere. So. Oh no, it's still close. Like it's not like it's not like it's twelve to two or something. Yeah. But like at the same time, like you're still probably doubling me up, if not more, just because. Again, yeah, I mean, also it was Virginia. I really had no reason to go to an ACC game. I wasn't gonna fly into a stadium I've seen a thousand times, or a thousand times, but a couple times. Right. Speaking of which, Nick, I'm trying to see if I can get them to be like a, a sponsor-ish. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm going to give them a free shout-out for this. Have you heard of the app called Memento? Memento. No, I haven't. Why don't you tell the good folks about Memento? So, Memento, Nick, you should definitely download I think you would love it. So, it's like... It's this app that allows you to, like, track all the places you've been to. So, like, it was – it's based – like, the company was is based out of England. So, like, it was meant for – I don't know if you know this or not, but there's 92 professional soccer clubs in England. Right. So, you know, and obviously, like, you know, in the time it takes to get from England to, like, Italy, it takes for us to get to Texas. So, you know, they obviously have inter- – in they got La Liga now. They've got the Bundesliga. They've got, they basically got every European league you can think of. And it's really cool because you go in, like, for example, I went to the Ohio game this weekend. I just searched Ohio Bobcats football. And it's the first game that popped up is the most recent one against Iowa State. I add that I attended the game. You get to import a picture of you at the game, and it gives you the score. And like, it just it's like a cool little, like, it's not anything super complex, 
but like, like a photo album. So, yes, I mean, not all my games are imported into it yet because, like, I kind of went and just did the teams I know I've seen. Like, for example, I know I've been to a thousand Virginia games, not literally, but, you know, I've been to a ton, so I just went through, searched Virginia Cavaliers, and just selected every game that I've been to. But, like, I've been to, according to Memento so far, 71 games, 29 venues. I've seen Virginia 33 times. I've seen Virginia Tech 15 times. I've seen Wake 8 times. Like I, And it's cool because, like, I can even import my ETSU games. So, like, I was able to log, you know, all the games I've worked at ETSU. Or, obviously, when I went to Mississippi State last year. So, like, it's really cool. It's just a really cool app to, like, because it kind of tracks all that trend for you. Because, like, I never realized that I've seen Louisville five times. And I've actually seen them more than that because I haven't imported all their games yet. But I've seen them five times just purely on, like, the road. So, like, it's kind of cool, like, to see how many times I've seen some of these teams. Like, you know, I, I never realized that I had seen Richmond, or excuse me, not Richmond, um, Maryland only once. Like, I thought I'd seen them more. I mean, obviously, I've seen Nebraska more than once, but just according to this app, I've only logged them one time. Like, it's just cool because it shows you, like, and it shows you like, I've been to Scott Stadium 16 times, Lane Stadium 7 times. And, like, it only goes back to, like, 2017 or 18. Oh, no, sorry, 2014, I think, or 2013, something like that. So it doesn't go back super far. Like, actually, 2013, so it goes back 10 years. So, like, it stinks because, like, for example, I've been to Lane Stadium more than seven times because between 2009 and 2013, that's the only stadium I went to. And I went to probably seven or eight games because, again, I live 20 minutes away. So I'd have buddies from school that parents were going to the game, and either I would get a ticket from them or I would just, you know, with my summer money, use 30 bucks to go watch it. But, you know, it's cool because, like, again, it's at least for the last 10 years, tracks every game. And, like, they just added college basketball now. They have MLB in there. They have the NBA. Like, it's cool because you can kind of see, like, you know, oh, sh- like, oh, shoot. Like, I've seen Virginia football a thousand times. Or, or, like, wow, I've seen the Orioles as many times as I've seen Virginia Tech football. Like, this is a really cool app. So I just wanted to, like, I've, I've talked to the people there about, you know, just working. They work with... CFP campus tour and stuff like that. I actually have had the app before that because I'm obsessed, Nick, with watching YouTube videos um, that are about European soccer uh, that basically, like, they do kind of what I do. Like, they travel to all the English clubs or they try, like, they throw a dart on a map and they end up in Italy for a game. Like, because, again, I, I think soccer is the most boring sport in the world, but I'm so fascinated by the European fan bases that, like, it almost makes it cool to me. <laughs> Like, I have no idea who's good, who's not, but, like, I think it's dope that, like, the fans are so loyal. I mean, it's kind of like college football in that aspect. Yeah, right. So, anyway, it's just kind of a cool app, Nick. If you want to check it out, I, I strongly recommend it because, again, you can just log. And, like, you can put, like, you know, if you, you can screenshot the picture of, you know, the catch of Taylor you got and stuff like that. Like, well, you can kind of, like, I just like scrolling through it going, oh, yeah, look at that, look at that, look at that, you know, and then I don't have to, like, because I have a, google sheet that i have with all the games and a youtube link to the highlights and like the like the attendance that was announced and stuff but like it doesn't have like i didn't make it to where you know i could import a picture because then it would just be too crazy where well, this is kind of cool because it's like a you know a visual scrapbook in a sense on your phone of all the games you've been to so anyways just thought that was cool so kind of sparked my 
reminder of it since, you know, we were talking about, you know, just going to AC games and I, I'm able to see how many teams I've seen, like how many times I've seen them, all that stuff. So kind of cool. But anyways, so Nick, you can log your first game and our first game of the ACC slate when we spend Friday night together in Charlottesville, Virginia. Yeah, that's right. Nick, you've never been to Charlottesville, right? I have not. My sister okay. has been to Charlottesville. My parents have. This will be my first time. We got two minutes to figure out what time do you plan to get to Charlottesville? Because we got to give the I got to give you a quick rundown of what we have to do if I know what time you're coming into town. Oh man, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping to get there by seven. Oh boy. Yeah, I'm leaving okay. from work. Like I plan on leaving at. No later than three o'clock from Winston. It's about a three and a half hour drive. So if all goes yeah, I'm gonna, right, six thirty. I'm gonna I'm gonna warn you, Nick. You're not gonna get there in time for kickoff if you're leaving at three. Yeah, I think because there's no like there's a lot of traffic like construction right now on sixty four in Charlottesville, and I'm assuming you're going seventy seven to eighty one. I'm assuming. I, Unless you go through Lynchburg. Route, do you know Highway 29? Because that's the quickest route. Yeah, so you're going up through Lynchburg then or Danville or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that might not be as bad. There's a lot of back roads, though, so depending on, like, you know, those schools getting out or whatever. But you should be okay. Well, I'll send you your ticket then because I'm not waiting for you to go in, to be honest. Not to be yeah, rude. but you would. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'll send you the ticket so you can get in. But. Well, I, that ruins it, Nick, because you can't experience Charlottesville. You can't, your mom wouldn't give you the day off or let you leave early? Uh, unfortunately, it's parents' weekend at Wake, so we are already extremely busy. My mom was actually telling me this or tonight, like, hey, I need you in like early tomorrow. I said, well, I wish you had told me like I had already scheduled like a class for the gym, and if I like cancel it's gonna they're gonna charge me so she was like okay we'll just be here as quick as you can so i'm gonna try to get there as fast as i can now luckily i think my sister is gonna be home so i could probably get out earlier but i was thinking about it all week i was like dang i'm really just gonna be like pulling up probably at best an hour before kickoff and i want to like kind of experience charlottesville a little bit but i don't think i'm gonna be able to have the chance to you know, you should be good, though. All the free parking should still be available. I mean, where I park for free, though, it's a little bit of a walk. So that's yeah. why getting there an hour before is not great because it takes you almost 20 to 25 minutes to walk to the stadium. But um, I was going to show you around the baseball stadium. Lacrosse. Man, I, I, had a, I had a contact on deck to get us a baseball tour if you were in town. But, dang. Well. Guys, it's if it's anything, confirmed. Nick Nick hates Virginia. Guys, it's confirmed. If if, if anything changes, I'll let you know ASAP because I do want to, I do want to experience it a lot. So I will let you know if anything changes. If I can, you know, either get the day off or get out earlier. Um, but we'll see. Anyways, Nick, we're going to be spending Friday night together. Um, this will be my quick shout out slash. I don't know how many Virginia listeners we truly have, but um, if you're a Virginia fan listening and you are in attendance on Friday night, I swear I'm going to slap anyone that boos Brandon Armstrong. Like, if anyone does it, I'm going to slap them. I might, Nick, I might not be in the stadium when you get there if people are booing Brennan Armstrong because 
that kid did more for our program than a lot of people in the last 20 years has. So anybody that wants to boom because he wanted to leave after a tragedy and the disaster that currently is our offensive system under Des Kitchens, honestly, shove it up your butt. Politely, of course. <laughs> um, because, it, dude, like, I don't know if you saw, they asked Brennan in his interview today, or like in his, you know, the presser today, like, hey, like, how excited are you to come back to Charlottesville? What do you think the reaction's going to be? He's like, obviously, you know, I'm super excited to go back to somewhere I called home. You know, obviously, it'll be great to come out with a win. Um, you know, I don't know. I can't speak for what the reaction is. I really hope and think that I should, I'll get a pretty warm welcome. I mean, I poured my blood, sweat, and tears into that program when I was there, and he did. I mean, Virginia probably doesn't win three games last year if Brendan Armstrong's not the quarterback. <laughs> Yeah. Like, they're probably a one-win team with how bad that offensive line was, with how shaky the defense could be. Like, dude, I mean, I'll be very upset. So, anyways, but... Even, even um, I watched Doran's presser to, uh, this morning that he had last night, um, and he even talked about Brennan's uh, homecoming back up to Charlottesville. And how he still talks about it, how he loves that place. So I would hope that Virginia fans would have a warm welcome for him. But if they don't, I'm going to brag about how we have him now and that he's ours. So, but I, Virginia fans seem classy enough to welcome him back. I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks Virginia's ever had. So I, I, I would hope so. And I think you're, you're a diehard Virginia fan. You're very level-headed. You speak honestly about the program. And I think a lot of Virginia fans would agree with you on where the program is right now and would realize why Brennan left. So I would hope that they were level-headed like you are. I mean, yeah. With that being said, Nick, NC, like one of two things is going to happen, Nick. I know like this is, this is the most overrated take in the history of the world. But either NC State's going to pump Virginia or Virginia's sneaking out with a win. Right. Like, I, I really, like, the spread is nine. I really don't see a world where Virginia covers and loses. Because I really do think that if Virginia's hanging around in this game at home, like, Nick, this is, this is kind of funny. Virginia installed, like, these, you know, like, every team has those, like, you know, those LED lights, you know, that can flash for touchdowns and stuff. Like, everybody seems to be getting them now. Right. Virginia installed those for the last season. This is the first night game they've had since they installed them. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, obviously some fans are amped up. It's technically, you know, they're asking all the fans to wear blue, and I, I don't know how it's going to look, but, it, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of red that's going to contradict it, but... <laughs> You know, I can tell Virginia fans are still somewhat excited. Like, this really is the last chance for Virginia to have more than 35,000 at games. That's not going to be the Virginia Tech game, obviously. Because the rest of their home schedule kind of stinks from a standpoint of, like, it's Georgia Tech, it's Duke, and it's... Uh, Crying on a blank on the last one is I don't think it's North Carolina. I can tell you right now it's because I let's see it's William Duke. and Mary. Oh yeah, William and Mary is the other one. Yeah, yeah, William and Mary is the only one. Again, I'm not counting Virginia Tech in this. Yeah, but like 
William and Mary might draw the most crowd of all those games because, like, they have a good fan base 35, 40 minutes away in Williamsburg. But, like, there's not going to be a ton of people there, man. Plain and simple. So, if there's not, then, you know, like, again, this is, like, Nick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you now. I've been to a lot of Virginia games. I have no idea what to expect from a crowd standpoint because obviously the last game they had was packed, but it was the first game back. It was also James Madison who traveled really well. Not that I don't think NC State's going to travel well, Nick, but this might be the smallest NC, NC State road crowd all season because of how it lines up being a Friday night. Like, it's a day trip kind of thing. But it's not like it's, you know, Raleigh's, what, probably four hours? So it's not like one of those things where, like, I guess you could take a half day and go. But I don't know how, you know, overly attractive this game is for NC State fans to travel to. So uh, there's a chance it might only be 45,000 in a 60,000-seated stadium in attendance. Which, again, I mean, that's kind of normal for Virginia, unfortunately. But, like, there's a chance to where, you know, again, the students are the lifeblood of Virginia from an attendance standpoint. They normally do a pretty good job of filling their section in a part of the hill through the first half. If Virginia's in this game at halftime, they normally don't leave unless Virginia is getting housed. So the good thing is, is if they're in it, man, NC State's in for a fight. And we've seen NC State this year, man. They haven't been all that impressive. Again, they, they blew out VMI, but... That's like me at ETSU being excited that we blew out Carson Newman. Like, that doesn't mean anything. Like, you, you beat a bad football team. Congratulations, you had more talent. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to be intrigued because, obviously, Sam Hartman's the best quarterback you've played all season. Well, we saw what he did to your defense. Do I think that Virginia's the caliber, like, that whether it's Calandria or Musket is the talent that we've seen, you know, that, that is Sam Hartman? Heck no. But he's better than the UConn quarterback. He's a hell of a lot better than what VMI's rolling out there right now. So there's a world where I could see Virginia putting up 28 and 31 points, and minus VMI's defense, and I mean no disrespect to, to VMI's defense, but I would argue that the Virginia defense is as talented as UConn's, if not a little bit better, and you struggled. So, you know, there's going to be a situation where Virginia's in this competitively. <laughs> NC State, like, <laughs> Nick, you might, like, I might actually get to have bragging rights. But with that being said, I think that NC State, like, the other scenario, which I think is more likely to happen, is NC State pumps Virginia. Because, dude, this game, like, I don't know how much you listen to college football podcast, Nick, on a regular basis, and if you've listened to any this week yet for this upcoming week. But if you don't know... Alabama is, of course, playing Ole Miss this weekend. Right. Well, Nick, do you know who the defensive coordinator is at Ole Miss? Uh, I forgot his name. Who is it? It's Pete, it's Pete Golding, who was at Alabama, who everybody, every Alabama fan blamed for them, like, not winning titles, right? They're like, oh, this offense is so good, but we can't figure it out on defense. We can't figure it out on defense. Right. And everyone's talking about how, look at Alabama's quarterback situation. Pete Golding is going to be licking his chops knowing that he's got an offense on the other side of the ball that he's like on his team in Ole Miss with Jackson Dart that is probably, actually not even probably, is more talented than Alabama right now. Yeah. And he knows the Nick Saban system. So everyone's like, oh, dude, this game's personal. Like, 
you know, I can't believe, like, I'm shocked that Alabama is like a double-digit favorite in this game. <laughs> That's kind of like how I'm surprised that it's only a nine-point, like, I think NC State should be a two-touchdown favorite. Because I really see this scenario where, like, Brennan Armstrong knows the personnel of Virginia. Like, the only thing that NC State has working against them is, I still don't trust their receiving core. Like, I think Virginia's secondary won't shut them down. Like, obviously, they'll be shut out all night. But I don't think it's going to be, like, NC State just hitting explosive after explosive. But do I know that Robert Anai is going to call his best game he's called since he's been at NC State. Right. I will be shocked if he doesn't. Now, again, this plays back into the, you know, scenario where Virginia wins. It's, he gets too damn cute, and he, caught, like, he shoots himself in the foot. But, Nick, we're going to see some creative, aggressive stuff, I think, from Robert and I. Obviously, Dave Dolan can put, you know, pump the brakes on some of it if it's getting too crazy. But you know, I see a world, Nick, where you know, NC State's up 17 at the half. Half the Virginia student section's gone. And this is like a 41 to, to 24 type game where, you know, Virginia is not like you look at the score in the box score. You're like, oh, look at Virginia. They're at least not losing by 30 this time to a power five team. But, you know, deep down inside, it was never that competitive. So I'm curious how you feel going into this game because, you know, you mentioned and I talked to my intern today, too, Nick, about how, you know, again, the NC State fan. Shout out to you, Ryan, who I know is listening because he appreciated the shout out we gave him last time. Um, you know, we were talking about it. He was like, wow, you were right. Like, VMI really does stink. And I'm like, well, do you not feel com- comfortable about NC State? He says, honestly, man, I feel like we're just as good as we were when we played Notre Dame. And we just played a really crappy team. And I was like, I agree, but I'm kind of surprised because, again, Nick, you walked away. Like, again, and I'm not saying you should over overthink, like, what happened. They did exactly what they needed to do, take care of business. But you seemed a lot more positive than my, than my intern Ryan did. Yeah, well, going to so after the VMI game, I was just happy to see, happy to see that every, I was happy to see everything I wanted to see, what I hoped to see, which was all three phases of the game. We did something positive: offense, defense. We had the pick six, and we scored on special teams on the punt return. Actually, we should have scored two, but there was a block in the back or something. Um, but, yeah, I came out of the VMI game like this is like the type of game I wanted to see going into Virginia where everything was just clicking, 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 clicking. Now, Virginia obviously is not on the level of Notre Dame, but, again, in-conference opponent on the road, I'm not taking it lightly. Uh, you shouldn't take any conference game um, lightly at all. So I expect it to be a challenge. I expect it to – hopefully not be the slow start like we had against UConn, where I did expect that. I, I expected, you know, UConn to score first. I expected the offense to be a little sluggish. I mean, that's just with any week one uh, game. But I knew, you, knew, I knew UConn had a good quarterback. I knew they were much improved. I knew that State had all these new things happening. Hopefully, after three weeks, it all – you know, it's repetition now. It's just going to click and click and click. Um, but this isn't UConn and this isn't VMI. I would like to think Virginia, without UConn's original starting quarterback, could beat UConn, to be honest with you. Um, I think it could beat them even with their original starting quarterback. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it past them to do that either. But 
I'm optimistic. I feel good about it. I nine and a half scares me a lot. That's a weird, weird number where if we cover it by 10, I'm still kind of scratching my head. Now, if we win by 14 plus, I feel pretty good. Uh, and I'm with you, Micah. I don't know if I feel like Virginia covers, but loses like that. That to me could be like NC state fans. Their whole world is falling apart that we just got covered by Virginia. And the re- the season's going to be very long. So if we win by 14 plus, I'm very, very happy. If we cover the spread, I think, you know, we're due for a mediocre season, to be honest. Yeah, what's what's crazy to me, Nick, and the reason why I honestly, like, Nick, I think when you cover this game, I, I think something that Virginia's biggest weakness right now is the special teams. Their field goal kicking is shaky as heck. Their return their punt return coverage slash punt blocking is slash kick returning coverage is terrible they've given up a special teams touchdown in pretty much every game this season i'm trying to remember they didn't give one up technically against uh tennessee but they had like multiple returns that were 20 30 yard returns they obviously had the block punt for a touchdown against JMU. And they obviously gave up the kickoff return for a touchdown that sparked Maryland's comeback. Like, I don't know, Nikki, I don't know if you watched it, but like, it's 14 nothing. Virginia's feeling great. And what does a freshman from Maryland do? Just house a kickoff. Yeah, right. So, you know, if, if you mentioned it with the success they had against VMI, like, I don't think Virginia special teams is as bad as VMI, but. I think NC State could score a, a special teams touchdown. And that could be the difference in this game. Because, like, if you look at the stats, Nick, like, this is, this is mind-boggling to me. Because I, I never truly, like, realized this. Brendan Armstrong in three games compared to Anthony Calandria for Virginia in three, you know, two and, two and a quarter games, right? Mm-hmm. Brendan Armstrong, actually, I'm going to read you the stats. And you, you tell me, actually, yeah, I'm not going to, because it's not fair. Brandon Armstrong has 679 yards. Anthony Calandria has 652. This is passing again. This isn't total yards because Brandon obviously has a little bit more with his legs. Brandon has three touchdowns. Calandria has three touchdowns. Brandon has three picks. Calandria has four. Their numbers are very similar. Right. And I mean no disrespect to you and your NC State team, Nick, because, again, I think you're the better team here. But Calandria has played better teams. Mm-hmm. James Madison, Tennessee, and Maryland are better than UConn. Like, Notre Dame's the best team on that system. I'm not going to pretend like it wasn't, but it also was at home, so at least it wasn't a hostile environment. But JMU, Tennessee, and Maryland are all better than UConn and VMI. Like, the fact that Brennan has these numbers and played VMI, like, I can only imagine if what Calandria would do against VMI. Now, again, Virginia has a terrible success running the football, but to be honest, so is NC State for the most part. Yeah. Like, I mean, Nick, you hammered VMI, and a lot of it was because of the special teams and the defense. Yeah. So that, that is what's intriguing to me, because, again, I, I genuinely believe that a Robert and I breakout is going to happen Friday night. See, but if it doesn't, but if it doesn't, Nick... 
you might actually lose this game. And I, that feels weird because like, like I've convinced myself and maybe it's the wrong side, but again, maybe this is, this is the uh, psycho guy that will never move on from his one true love. But I've convinced myself that Virginia is not as bad as like they're perceived to be. Right. Because I look at the opponents. I look at like, if you use the ESPN like win tracker, you know, like the little probability thing, Virginia's had the probability to beat every opponent except for Tennessee for at least a quarter. And I know that's like, oh, like that's not that much. No, you're you're right. But you consider who they play. Every team they played so far is a top fifty team in college football. And considering, like, again, when I say this, my expectations for Virginia is a three to four win team. Like, oh, and three, like. I am not overly shocked at 0-3. I obviously would prefer to be 1-2 or obviously even better than that. But, like, 1-2 was kind of the ceiling I had going into this game anyways, <laughs> going into the year. And they're one point away and, you know, again, just terrible play calling, in my opinion, down the stretch, away from winning a football game. So, who knows? See, that's why I'm a little – I'm like, I can't tell you what I'm going to expect offensively because that's the problem when like all three phases of the game worked for you against an inferior opponent is because two of our touchdowns came off of special teams and a pick six. And, you know, Brendan had, I think one passing touchdown, but everything else was on the ground and we were mixing in the running backs. We had a true freshman running back who led in yards for us. Um, which was a big pickup, by the way. We stole him from Iowa, which was huge. But, uh, yeah, I. this is why I'm actually very happy I'm going to this game in person so I can see it all unfold. I want to see this opportunity Robert and I has with the offense because I get it. On the road, first game, you know, every, you're trying to put everything together. Then you have a national championship contender, at your house, some some things don't go right. The receivers drop balls. Brennan is doing a little bit too much. Um, and then the third game where there's an easy opponent, you're going to win the game, obviously, with all three phases. So this is a good test for NC State's offense, I think. And, you know, your defense, like you said, is not that bad. You guys have a really good linebacker core. You guys are good up on the line. It's going to be a good test for our O-line, too, who, you know, Run blocking has not been the best. Um, so I'm very intrigued to see. I think this is going to be a very good test for State. Yeah. Well, Dick, we got to give a score prediction because I, I said that NC State wins by two touchdowns. So what's your, what's your prediction? I'll go 35-17 State. Okay. I went 41-24, so kind of in the space with the same ballpark. Um all right, we move on to noon. Nick, I'm going to save Florida State-Clemson for the end. I know that's unfair, but yeah. let's just call it what it is. Like, that and UNC Pitt, the last two games are really the biggest of the day. Um, Georgia Tech-Wake, a little bit of shout-out there. But they're going to also get talked about. Like, those are the last two games we're going to talk about. So I think those are kind of prioritized. So that's fine. the first noon game I want to talk about is Virginia Tech at Marshall. Nick, unfortunately, that's a four-hour drive from Marshall to Pitt, and if I'm going to spend the money to go watch this. By the way, sold out Marshall Stadium. Shout out to Marshall. Um, their new video board is sick, by the way. Holy crap, it's so much better than what it was last year. Uh, that's where I stayed overnight, Nick, on Friday. 
uh, going to Ohio. And I, I purposely stayed in Huntington because that's like one of my favorite towns ever. I don't know why I love it so much. But anyways, Marshall is a five-point favorite. I actually hate that because <laughs> I don't want Virginia Tech to have bulletin board material. But Marshall's a good football team. They're 2-0. and They had a bye week to prepare for this game. Like, everyone's talking about how, like, oh, they only beat Albany 21-17. to Like, they're not that good. And that was a bad game. But, Nick, do you know how that game went for Marshall? No. They were down 10 nothing, and then scored and then gave up a 75-yard drive from... You know, Albany, right? You're, it's 17-7 to midway through the third quarter. And a lot of times you see those types of teams. Like, you know, when you, you finally make some progress against a team you're supposed to be destroying, and they punch you right back, a lot of times those teams fold, right? Like, you see that all the time. Like, I mean, this is not a football reference, but remember Virginia versus UMBC. Like, everyone knows Virginia was better than UMBC. But UMBC punched Virginia in the mouth, and Virginia punched back. And UMBC still had an answer for him. And then Virginia folded. So, what does Marshall do? Oh, I don't know. A minute later, score a touchdown, make it 17-14. And then their next drive, make it 21-17. So, like, they found ways to, to make plays down the stretch, to get the job done, to win the game. So, it was, it was impressive what we saw from Marshall and the way they responded in that game. And then they pretty much dominated East Carolina in their second game. And again, ECU, I don't think, is a very good football team. I think they're 0-3, actually, on the year. So, like, that's obviously not promising. Um, or maybe 1-2 with an FCS win. But, you know, they're not off to the hottest of starts. But Yeah, they're 0-3. Yeah, but, you know, I'm, not to be disrespectful, I don't know how much better Virginia Tech is than ECU. And, dude... This is a stripe-out game at Joan Edwards Stadium. Huntington is going to be rocking. There's obviously going to be a lot of maroon there, too. But it's going to be a sold-out crowd. Charles Huff's one of the best G5 coaches in college football, hands down, in my opinion. He's going to have them up. He's going to have them ready to go. And I, this is Grant Wells' returning game, because I think they're going to go back to Grant Wells in this one, if he's available. Like... I don't think Grant Wells is going to win a hostile environment on the road. I really don't. Um, you know, what Marshall has offensively is pretty daggone impressive. Like, everyone's hammering Virginia Tech right now on the on the spread. Because, again, you see seven, you're like, well, yeah, that makes kind of sense. But Cam Fancher, their starting quarterback at Marshall, has been very consistent. But what's going to kill Virginia Tech, in my opinion, is their – is if they're going to be able to stop the run. Rasheen Ali, the junior running back from Marshall, dude, 222 yards, five touchdowns in his two games. He's averaging, obviously, over 100 yards. Like, dude, he's just been straight balling. And Virginia Tech's rush defense has been abysmal. Like, not good at all. I mean, like, they are 127th in the country on stopping the run. They've given up 212 yards a game on average. That's not a good recipe for success. And you look at what Virginia Tech brings offensively, they've kind of been bad all around, but they've had a lot of struggles 
running the football, and that's been Marshall's weak side. Marshall's secondary, like pass defense, is 15th in the country. Granted, again, it's ECU and Albany, but they've only given up a combined 27 points. So this is a team that I, I, like, I just went to a game where a G5 team is as talented as the Power 5 team they are playing. Which I think is kind of similar in this scenario. But, dude, it just means so much more for those G5 teams. The students are going to be all in. The fan, like the loyal fans of Marshall, we saw it, and I saw it in Athens with the loyal fans of Ohio. Like, dude, when I tell you that the atmosphere, like, it, was it super loud? Hell no. But was there, a, like, did it feel like the game was important? Did it feel like every, like, live and die by every play is what you felt at Ohio? And you're gonna feel. Like, I felt that at Marshall last year against Coastal. So I can only imagine what it's gonna be against Virginia Tech on Saturday. So, like, like, I'm going to be honest, like, I'm still waiting a word on whether North Carolina and Pitt, like, I'm going to get credentialed or not, because I thought I was, but I've kind of been given a potential not credential thing now, because what life happens, I guess. If I'm not credentialed, I might just punt on going to a new stadium this weekend and go to Marshall. <laughs> like, I'm that juiced up for that game. Like, because if I don't go, I'm finding a sports bar in, in Pittsburgh, and I'm sure as hell watching it in a sports bar in Pittsburgh. But... Oh, dude, I mean, again, I'm biased. I, I'm the first one to admit that I, I actually actively follow and root for Marshall. So, of course, my, and they're playing my biggest rival. So, of course, my bias is pulling hard for Marshall. But I really do think the matchup here, kind of what we talked about with, you know, Purdue and Syracuse last week. I know it's a little bit different scenario, but, like, we talked about how the matchup, or, sorry, how Rutgers and Virginia Tech matched up last week. I just feel like this game does not play well for Virginia Tech. And the only thing that I think is the saving grace for Virginia Tech is obviously it's Grant Wells' homecoming next. I'm sure you're aware he came from Marshall. So, you know, obviously that's big. But also, too, the biggest thing in my opinion is not that, again, I don't think that Brent Pry is on the hot seat. But if you lose this game, it's going to start getting a little toasty. And at least at the bare minimum, people are going to start getting antsy. Because that's just like Virginia Tech should not be one in three with games against Rutgers, Marshall, Old Dominion, and, you know, uh, Purdue. Doesn't matter what happened. Like, yeah, I mean, this is going to be intriguing. I, I just, I think that Ali is going to have a good day for Marshall, and that's going to be the difference. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I wouldn't be surprised if this is like 21 17 or something crazy like that. Not crazy, but. You know, low like that, but dude, it's gonna be, this is gonna be a damn good game for sure. Yeah, so that was gonna be my first question to you: Is if Virginia Tech loses, is Brent Pry on the hot seat moving forward? He would have to go. He would have to go one and eleven, in my opinion, to lose his job. Like he would have to like literally just bottom out right now to lose his job. But I will say, like, <laughs> he will be putting himself on a toasty little little little. His buns will be, like, you know, like those heated seats in your car? Someone's going to turn them up to where you're kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, because, again, like, this is just, you can't, you can't go one and three when you have two G5 teams. And, again, Rutgers is better than everyone's talking about, but you have the bottom half of the Big Ten on your schedule, too. I know. Right. I mean, 
here's Virginia Tech's problem. I've noticed it with Purdue and with Rutgers is that they will they'll dig themselves into a bit of a hole. They'll start to catch up, and then they just fall apart in the fourth quarter. It happened with Purdue, and it did happen with Rutgers. Uh, and I feel like we're in a re- this is a recipe for the same thing because it's at Marshall. It's going to be rowdy. Um, I I don't feel good about Virginia Tech going up there. I think it will be close. I agree with you that it's going to be very very uh, low scoring. Um, but yeah, man, it's. I don't know. Like we were after Virginia Tech won their first game, we were thinking, "Oh wow, they got over the Old Dominion hump. This is such a great start." Like you couldn't ask for a better start if you're Brent Pry and moving forward with this program. You know, if you played as well as you did against Old Dominion, we're talking about four and zero heading into conference play. Like, what a huge, huge turnaround for Virginia Tech. And then you came out and said, "But yeah, but." You know, what if they go one and three? Like, what what if, you know, Rutgers is better than people think. Purdue's not a bad team. And Marshall is, that game's at Marshall. And it's starting to look like they could be one and three. And that's not good. So, I, noon game, I don't think that's good to benefit Virginia Tech either. I feel like Marshall's going to win this. And what's the spread right now? Marshall minus five? Yep. Yeah, I, I can see Virginia Tech covering that. Like, like Yeah, I'm going to say Virginia Tech covers. I, I feel t- like 21-17 is my prediction. Lock, lock it in, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I could see, see something like 17-13 to 13 or something like that. But, yeah, I, as much as I want to pick Virginia Tech, they just fall apart in the fourth quarter. And, you know, they dig themselves in this hole in the first quarter where it's too little too late. So I'm afraid that's going to happen again. But – Let's say they turn it around. Let's say they beat Marshall, top, bit, you know, very bad environment for them, and they turn it around. They win this game. You're sitting pretty. You're sitting not bad at two and two. That's kind of like what we thought they could be after week four. So you never know. But I'm going with Marshall on this one. They look really good, especially that ECU win. So yeah, and like Nick, I I will say like they play a pit next week in the eight o'clock slate on AC Network. Like, right now, I am picking Virginia Tech to win that game. It's at home, 8 o'clock, Blacksburg. Like, we know what happens, Blacksburg at night. <laughs> so, if you win this game, you're now 3-2, and two, and, yeah, you're going to Florida State. But then you've got Syracuse and Wake back-to-back weeks at home. Wake before Syracuse, I just set them backwards. But there's a world where that's 5-3, and 4-4. and yeah. four. And, again, you still have Virginia on the schedule. You still have Boston College on the schedule. You have NC State at home. Like, the whole game is not like – like Nick, this is, this is going to be very frank. You lose this game, you are not going bowling. Right. You win this game, the door is still open. Because, like, I don't see Virginia Tech going 5-3 and three in the conference. I mean, maybe you disagree with me, Nick, but I sure as hell don't see it. I don't see it either. Yeah. Like, I think 4-4 four and four is doable. Like – and especially if they lose to Marshall, it kind of just solidifies like the thought process that like they're a bottom ACC team, so they're probably going to lose to NC State and struggle with Pitt at home, and probably lose to Syracuse at home. Like, so yeah. Um, but Nick, I'm just going to—I know it's an ACC podcast, but I just wanted to say we are. We are. We are, Nick. We are. We, yeah. we are. No, you're supposed to say Marshall. Come on. Marshall. 
You ever watch the movie? Gosh, damn. Yes, yes. I was just repeating what you said. Yeah, we are March. All right. Nick ruined the joke, guys. It's fine. Sorry. But we move on. Um, Syracuse host Army. Syracuse is a 14-point favorite. Syracuse is going to cover. And I think Army's like, I honestly thought Army sucked until I watched them beat UTSA, but I'm starting to kind of question UTSA, especially without Frank Harris. I don't know if UTSA is actually that good at football. Um, so I think that this is a game where, you know, Syracuse can put up points. Like Army's got a respectable defense, but and like, I, I, don't, I don't think any, like Syracuse is going to like, Syracuse has a lot of respect for Army. Dino Babers is not a big run up the score kind of guy. So this could be one of those games where it's like 24 to, to three entering the fourth quarter and then Army scores a touchdown and a field goal and, you know, Syracuse is just kind of sitting on the ball. So that's the, like, I'll say Army, actually, I'll tell you that, I'm going to say Army covers because it's 14, and I do think there's a very good window of a backdoor cover, but I do think this is a 14 to 21 point game going into the fourth quarter. Like, I think that Syracuse is going to comfortably win this game. I, I just, again, I'm all in on Syracuse right now. Yeah, all I have on this game is if you didn't watch Garrett Schrader last week, you're going to get to know him very well after this game because I feel like Garrett Schrader is going to run all over Army. Um, I, I think it will be a good test for Syracuse's defense because of the triple option. Army still does that. So uh, I think it's a good test, you know, in the beginning of the – beginning slash almost midway through the season. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what kind of numbers Garrett Schrader will put up. I think he can throw. I think he'll run. Um, Don't be surprised if we see touchdowns from both his legs and his arm. So, I'm if you're going to, you know, pay any attention to this game, watch out for Garrett Schrader because, you know, I I, – I squarely think he is a top three quarterback in this conference, comfortably a top three quarterback. Now, the numbers might not suggest that, but just his demeanor, the eye test, like we always talk about the eye test, like what makes a quarterback a good quarterback, what makes him the top of the league. Just watching him control that offense, watching him run, watching him make decisions. It's a it's a nice sight. I've ne- I haven't seen a quarterback do something like that uh, unless like you're at the top of the sport, you know, unless you're like running for a Heisman or something. And I'm not saying that Garrett Schrader is the Heisman contender, but he's calm, he's poised, he knows what he's doing, and that's why I think he's a top quarterback in this conference. So no, there's only two quarterbacks in the ACC. I would for sure take over him right now, and that would be Drake May and Riley Leonard. Everybody else, like. Whoa. I think if you said, whoa, 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 those are the two. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I'm forgetting Jordan Travis. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm forgetting Jordan Travis. There would be three quarterbacks. Sorry, I meant to, I, I, I completely skipped. I went down the standings and just skipped like how we skip over Florida State because we're kind of just like, oh, they're so good. I kind of just not forget about them, but kind of just like, ah, yes, whatever. Sorry. Those are the three. But, yes, I would take everybody. Like, I would I would take him over Kate Klubnick. I would take him over Brennan Armstrong right now. I would take him over um, – who am I drawing? Yes. Right now, yes. Wow. 
Dude, Texas A&M's pass defense sucks. Like, New Mexico and ULM had some success throwing the ball. I'm not saying that Tyler Van Dyke's not good, but I'm just going to call a, a, a spade a spade. Like, who has Miami truly played defensively, especially in the secondary, that makes you go, oh, this guy is so much more improved? Is he better than last year? Absolutely. But Garrett Schrader was phenomenal last year, and Garrett Schrader is playing good football right now. Yeah. And putting up numbers on a consistent basis. And, I mean, no disrespect, but, like, I know we keep saying Syracuse's schedule has been pretty easy, but, I mean, Western Michigan is more difficult than Bethune-Cookman. <laughs> and, you know, you would Purdue. Take, right now you would take Drake May over Schrader? Yes. I'd take Drake May, Jordan Travis, and Riley Leonard. Okay. Gotcha. I think I would take – I think my top three would be – Jordan Travis, Van Dyke, Schrader, and like very close behind Schrader would be Riley Leonard. You have Drake May at five. It between Schrader, uh, Leonard, and May, they're very, very, very close. All yeah, this year I think this is your flip between all of them. It's just that Schrader, I think. The way Duke runs their offense, Leonard Nick, has to put up Nick, the numbers. I'm going to pause you for a second. Really good. I'm going to pause you for a second. Drake May is the best quarterback in the conference. The fact that you don't have him in your top three is actually concerning to me. Because you can say what you want. Dude, the receivers at North Carolina right now are bottom of the conference. If you give Drake May Wake Forest's receiving room, dude, he is the Heisman front runner with Caleb Williams and Shador Sanders right now promise you this receiving core is not what it was the offensive line for north carolina is still very sus <laughs> like jordan travis is having like jordan travis is very very good i am not trying to undervalue jordan travis but look at his freaking receivers you can't tell me that keon coleman's a big reason why he's having so much success yeah he didn't even have did he even like have a like north carolina like like Dude, like, Drake May is doing what we wish Brennan Armstrong was kind of doing right now. Like, I would value the North Carolina receivers pretty similar to NC State. Like, I'm, I'm, this is not my bias kicking in, because I don't think it is. I think Virginia has better receivers than North Carolina right now. I really do. I think if you put Malik Washington in that North Carolina wide receiver room, he's the best receiver on North Carolina. And it's honestly, I don't think that close. I mean, you look at North Carolina stats, we'll preview the pit game here shortly, but their top receiver is J.J. Jones, who, who's pretty good, don't get me wrong, but he's just been kind of an explosive guy. So, I mean, I'm not all that sold on the receiving room at North Carolina. So, again, I, this could be a, a really poor take, but you, you look at the receivers at Miami, you look at the receivers, I mean, again, the receivers at Syracuse, I mean, I don't know about you, but I sure think that Donovan Brown is better than any single receiver right now in North Carolina. Yeah. So, I think that, 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 that Drake May is not getting punished because he has, like, this is, disclaimer, North Carolina's receiving core is not bad. But this is not with the receiving core of a year or two ago where there's Josh Downs in that room. <laughs> like, you don't look around and go, holy crap, look at these receivers. And Drake May is still putting up numbers. So, and in and, and, and the defense of Jordan Travis, like, 
Florida State's defense is pretty damn good. I'm not saying that North Carolina's isn't, but you can't tell me you'd take North Carolina's defense over Florida State. So Jordan Travis can be a little bit more, like he doesn't have to beat you, where Drake May has to win football games right. for North Carolina. Yeah. So and yeah, I guess that's the most impressive thing is that, like, with Drake May, his stats aren't showing it, but he is a pretty good part of the reason why they are 3-0. Now, I'm also giving a lot of credit to their defense because I think it's improved a lot. I think we can comfortably say after three games the defense is better. Um, But, yeah, I think Drake May and the defense have been kind of the answer for Carolina. Yep. Well, that's been your ACC quarterback thing that I didn't think we'd get into today, but that was a good side conversation. But Syracuse, Schrader, he's the man. Yes, yeah, and I say Syracuse wins. We'll go, we'll go thirty-four. Let's see, the spread was fourteen. We'll say thirty-four twenty. We'll be that guy that just goes for the push. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got in that one, Nick? I'll go thirty-eight to twenty. Oh, so a little Syracuse cover. I like it. Yeah. All right, speaking of good quarterbacks, Riley Leonard and Duke go on the road to UConn where they are 21-and-a-half-point road favorite. Can we pause for a second? I know it's UConn. I know they have a backup quarterback. But this UConn team is still better than most recent UConn teams. But when in recent history, Nick, do you recall Duke being a 21-point favorite on the road against anybody? God. On the road? Like, this right here is the reason why Mike Elko should be Michigan State's first phone call. Please don't leave us, uh, Mike Elko. I want you to stay in the ACC, but if I'm Michigan State, I'm calling Mike Elko. Hey, listen. <laughs> that, that, that tweet of mine is coming for Duke. Like, you have the money. Keep him. You have the money. Yeah, actually, hear me out, Duke. Lose this football game so Michigan State's like, ah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but but, we'll, but we'll no, Duke's gonna later. Duke's gonna hammer this team. Yeah. Like the only thing that is a little bit sus, I don't know if you saw the weather, Nick, but it's supposed to be 58 degrees and rainy. So like, it's not gonna be the greatest of weather right now in East Hartford. But I don't think it matters, dude. What we've seen from Duke that I think makes them so dangerous, and why I have them playing in Charlotte at this moment in time, is the fact that dude they can control the line of scrimmage. And they are going to control the line of scrimmage against UConn. Yeah. So, whether it's Riley Leonard in the air or rushing the football, like, if it's rainy and UConn can't move the ball, I could see this game being a 28 to nothing Duke win, and we're like, wow, that game sucked. <laughs> like, there's 5,000 people there because it's pouring down rain. Like, nobody wants to be there. Everyone wants to just go home. <laughs> like, I, I think Duke covers this. I'm going to say 38 to 10. <laughs> I, I feel good about 28 points. I, I like, I'm just, I'm all in on Duke. The only thing that scares me about Duke with this one is that Notre Dame is next week. So this is a look ahead game for sure. Yeah, I'm, I think UConn will cover this game. I just, 21 points is a lot on the road. And, Right now, I think Duke is a better team than NC State, and I'm nervous that NC State is going to Duke uh, in a few weeks. But that spread was 14.5, and State did not cover that. Um, 
So I think 21 is a lot for Duke. So we'll see. Raining, 58 degrees. Again, you mentioned the look-ahead spot to Notre Dame at home. I could see it being like a very disgusting, sloppy, like 24 to 7 win where they're just running. Well, that's exactly 21 points. So we'll do, we'll say 21 to 10. And it's just a disgusting type of game. I mean, technically, if you said a 21 point victory, that's a cover because it is 21 and a half at this Uh, moment. Okay. So technically, that would be a cover by UConn. My thing is, Nick, and I, and I agree with your reference back to NC State, but the UConn team that played NC State is, I think, ten not ten times, two to three times better than what's going to be lining up on Saturday against Duke. True. Good point. Like, Georgia State dominated them in Atlanta. FIU, I don't think, is, like, a terrible team, but they're still a, like, bottom 20 of college football, bottom 25 team, and they – beat UConn at, at UConn last week by a touchdown. So I, I just, I I am concerned about the look ahead, but I I, I mean this in, in the most respectful way possible because I really, like, again, I saw UConn in their bowl game last year. This program is headed in the right direction. Jim Moore has got this program going somewhere. I'm, I'm excited for them. I'm like, I'm rooting for them on the side because like, I remember the days of UConn in the Fiesta Bowl and like, I still to this day, one of the most impressive crowds I've ever attended was a Friday night where UConn lost a 24th ranked Navy 42 to nothing. And there were still 25 to 30,000 people tailgating before the game in the lots. And it was 16 degrees at kickoff and there was 30,000 people there at kickoff. Yeah. Like there's not many fan bases when their team is one in seven doing that on a Friday night. So I, to this day, am so super impressed with like the U like. The UConn fans that traveled to the bowl game this year, there were a ton. So, again, I have a lot of respect for UConn, but this team is just walking dead right now, um, to be honest. And like, I, 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 I really trust Duke's ability to just control the line of scrimmage. Like, this doesn't feel like a Florida State-Boston college thing. Like, I don't think this is like, because, again, we've talked about it with BC. Like, Red Bandana game, they're going to come up. Like, I just don't see, like, that extra motivational factor for UConn, especially if the weather does suck, because you can't tell me that that team's going to want to be there with a team that can control the line of scrimmage like Duke can. Right. So, yeah. Um, but I like it. We move on to 3.30. Speaking of games that teams should control the line of scrimmage, Miami goes to Temple. Miami is a 23-point favorite at the link. Again, chance of rain there in Philadelphia, but it's going to be in the 60s, so not as chilly, I guess. Um, Temple's going to cover this, dude. I, I think 20, 23 is a lot. Like, Temple's – no, they're, they're, uh, they're one of the worst 2-1 teams in college football. They got very fortunate to escape Akron in week one. Norfolk State's a very bad FCS team who they hammered. They got beat pretty bad at Rutgers. They've got Tulsa next week on a short week. I mean, I know that Temple's obviously going to want to try to win this football game, but as long as Miami does what I think they should and punch them in the mouth early, I don't think Temple's going to have enough fight to, to like, make this game where it's like, oh, my goodness, they're down three with the ball with two minutes left. I do think, again, this is going to be like a 17-point win for Miami. I think Temple's going to try to backdoor cover. 
Temple starts conference play on Thursday night with Tulsa, so they're obviously going to want to try to get some momentum going into that. But I also don't think they're going to go like I don't think I don't know if Temple's going to sell out to try to win this game. Like in terms of pull every stop out, maybe they will. But if I'm Temple, I guess beating Miami on Saturday is bigger than going to a bowl game. But I think if you go all out for Miami, there's a chance you still miss a bowl game because you might have to risk a lot and show a lot to make that happen. Where maybe you play a little bit more conservative, you can beat the Tulsas, you can beat the UTSAs, you can beat the Charlottes that are on your schedule in American Conference play. So we'll see. I I don't really want to deep dive it too much. I, I will just point out one person to kind of watch. Evan Warner, um, if you didn't, or actually not Evan Warner, I don't know what I call him. Evan Warner's a former broadcaster when I grew up, but EJ Warner, starting quarterback for uh, Temple. You know, do you know who he's related to by chance? Kurt Nick? Warner. He is. Wow. Yep, he is. Okay. Is he? I, a I believe he's the son, right? Yep, he's the son. Oh, look at that. So, well, obviously some good bloodline, but he's got, like, Tyler Van Dyke's had an incredible year so far, right? Eight touchdowns, 822 yards, one pick. Evan Warner's thrown for 760. Four touchdowns, two picks, so obviously that stat line's not as impressive as Van Dyke's, but he can sling the rock, man. Their leading receiver, Ahmad Anderson, that kid's, I don't think Miami can, will struggle too much with him, because I think they could also potentially double him and be okay. But that's the type of kid that can beat you in one-on-one coverage. So if Miami's not careful, they can battle. But, I mean, it's funny because we always make fun of Miami's empty stadiums, dude. I will be shocked if the link fills the lower bowl on Saturday. And then Miami's coming into town. Like, And if it is, it's because Miami fans that live up in the Northeast. Because there's a lot of Miami fans in, like, Maryland and stuff, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if those are the ones that make the game even somewhat packed, and, and that means it's a Miami home game. So, yeah, I, I got nothing more to really say that besides that Miami just – and they should win this football game. And then they got a bye week next week, so this really shouldn't be a look-ahead spot because it's Georgia Tech in two weeks. So if I'm Miami, you could legitimately make the argument that you kind of get up try – to, try to get up 35 or 42 points second quarter, third quarter, and then kind of call off the dogs, and then you kind of cover, I think, with ease at that point. But we'll see. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with the bye week coming up. Uh, Just, you know, do your explosive plays, get Van Dyke going, get the defense rolling, get yourselves up by, you know, a decent amount at halftime to where you feel comfortable to call off the dogs a little bit. And then head into your bye week 4-0, man. Head into your bye week in the top 20 uh, and prepare for conference play. Uh, I don't really see them covering because, again, like we said, if they call off the dogs, you know, Temple could score. They're not a bad team. They're not. I, I don't think this Temple team is like what we've seen in the past couple of years where we've seen 1-11 and 0-12 and, and stuff. But the um, – yeah, I think Miami should handle this with ease and go into the bye week very happy. Yeah, if you're smart like Miami, this could be a spot where, like, if you you win, let's say, 49-10, to 10, right? 
because you're on a buy and there's a lot of top 25 games in the next two weeks happening, you could just fall into the top 15 purely because people are going to go, they're 4-0, and look at their margin of victory. Because, like, even the Texas A&M victory, like, if I'm not mistaken, is that not almost the same margin of victory as the Miami of Ohio game? Oh, no, that's right. They, they, they pull. I, I always forget that Miami of Ohio was – I keep thinking, like, because it was close early, like, for, like, a quarter or two. I keep forgetting it was 38-3. to three. But, like, that's my point. You're going to have a 41-point victory over Bethune. You're going to have a 35-point victory over Miami. Like, a lot of people talked about how Miami beat Texas A&M by 15, but it really was, like, it felt like it was by a lot more. And if you beat, you know, Temple by 30, like, your average margin of victory is in that 25 to 30 range. You're four and zero with a top 25 win in Texas A&M. You might just fall into the top 15 just by chance. Yeah, right. And that's huge for you. Like, you know, obviously we don't want to get Miami too overhyped, but you know, that falls into the category where if you beat Georgia Tech at home, you might be heading to North Carolina for a top 15 matchup. Oh boy. That's great for our conference. That's great for. For Miami, because again, if they get the job done in North Chapel Hill at that point, go six and zero. Oh, I mean, gosh dang! Can you imagine Miami like top top ten? Everybody's hyping them up. Then they host Clemson. Like, like I'm telling you right now, if Miami is seven and zero oh going into the Virginia game at home, I promise you, Virginia's winning that game. I promise you, because <laughs> like it just would be the most Miami slash like my favorite team type thing to do, where it's like, ah, yes. We're going to win two games all year, and one's going to be a top-10 team, because that makes sense. But anyways, I mean, dude, the schedule is setting up favorably, so here's your chance to kind of just continue to solidify things. All right, we move on. Boston College heads to Louisville. Louisville's a 14-point favorite. I think Louisville covers. I think what BC had last week was some of that red bandana magic mixed with the perfect combination. Like, do I think that BC's figuring some things out? Yes. But I also think that, like, the only concern I have, Nick, is what we talked about on Sunday, which is Louisville's inability to to really put teams away. But I do genuinely believe that both Indiana and uh, Georgia Tech are better than Boston College. So... With this game being at home, or those other two games were obviously not home games for them, I do think Boston College, excuse me, uh, Louisville will cover. I think this is like a 34 to, to 17 type game. I'm actually going to take BC to cover uh, because I'm going to stick with the trend of BC's playing everybody close no matter who the opponent is. Now, okay. it is going to be tricky for them because it is on the road. Louisville's feeling pretty good about themselves getting a P5 win. They're undefeated. They already have an ACC win. so And they're looking to get start off 2-0 and in the ACC and get that early lead and, you know, have their championship hopes uh, even higher and more intact. But um, I I like BC to cover here. I feel like... Maybe, as Brandon Walker has said before, the cheese hasn't slid off the cracker yet for BC, and I think they are better than what people think. So we'll see what happens, but don't count out BC just yet to you know at least get blown out by Louisville. I think they have enough dog in them to 
make things a little interesting. So we'll see. I, I think it's a good, te- another good test for Louisville as well. I think it benefits them a lot that it's at home. Yeah, that's fair. I'm intrigued to see the matchup because you've got two contradictory quarterbacks right now, obviously the sophomore and Thomas Castellanos. And then obviously the like seven time senior, I feel like uh, Jack Plummer was in college when I was in college. It's probably not true, but it just feels like he's been in college football forever. So two conflicting teams there. So one, one st- uh, uh, fan base who's in love with their coach, the other that's uh, really uh, questioning a lot. But, no, I agree with you. I, I, I really don't think there's going to be a, a really bad game all week in the conference. And if there is one, it's like, again, Duke hammering UConn or something like that. But we'll move on to the 6.30 game, which you'll be in attendance for, the beautiful CW game. Georgia Tech heads to Wake. Wake is a four-point favorite. This spread, I think, is the best spread of the week from a standpoint of accuracy. Because I really think that Wake Forest gets two points for being at home. And I think that on a neutral field, I would say Wake's two points better than Georgia Tech. Which, Georgia Tech fans, before, like, you know, shout out to Patience. I know she listens every once in a while. I think she, I know she listened to the last episode. But the fact that you're even considerably close to them. Like you're only a four-point dog going on the road shows you what Brent, uh, Brent Key has done. Because, like, this program has so much more momentum. Like, you know, I'm hoping for Georgia Tech's sake, Nick, that Alabama gets hammered by Ole Miss this weekend. And we can start saying that Georgia Tech's better than Alabama by the transitive property. Yeah. But, um, but anyways, I think that Wake... I, I was so impressed with Wake Forest last week, Nick, because the more I sat down and thought about it, you know, they played flipping terrible for two and a half quarters, pretty much. Two quarters, definitely the first half for sure. And then they flipped a switch. Mitch Griffiths played... Like he, I think he played his best half of college football in that second half. That first half was one of his worst. Yeah, yeah. We saw the defense. Of the coin. Yeah, the defense, though I don't think was even the problem in the first half, somehow elevated their game in the second half. Nick, I want to give you credit, because I don't give you enough credit on this podcast sometimes. You've been preaching the abilities of Haynes King at Georgia Tech, and I'm like, yeah, he's been fine. I had no idea he has 910 yards, nine tutties, and an interception. <laughs> that kid's been balling. Yeah. Like, Nick, honestly, I kind of feel bad because I think there's an argument that I would almost consider Haynes King <laughs> not over Garrett Schrader, but, like, I hear the conversation out. Um, I mean, goodness gracious, this kid's been been incredible. And, you know, I really like what I've seen out of Jamal Haynes in the backfield. You know, this is going to be, like, I think this is the best game of the weekend. I agree with you. Like, I'm kind of jealous you're going, Nick. Like, a part of me is like, maybe I should have just, you know, kept my tickets and just gone to the game and, (laughs) you know, just stayed close to home after. Like, it basically follows you down to Winston-Salem, you know, kind of thing. But, dude, I mean, this is... It's a, it's a good football game. Very good football game. So, 
and I'm jealous that you're going to be there. But I mean, hey, I want to hear your thoughts because I mean, obviously you you've watched way closer. You've been around way closer. You've been way more on the Haynes King hype than I'm like, I'm going to be honest. I've been sleeping on Haynes King just straight up like Haynes King. I doubt you're listening, but if anyone that knows how to contact him, just tell him that I'm sorry because I have been <laughs> sleeping. Um, I'm like, it took your tweet the other day, Nick, which by the way, again, credit to you that tweet to pick a quarterback blindly. Like I picked Haynes King in the poll, had no idea. Yeah. No idea at all. And I was like, gosh, dang it. That kid's been good. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, what are you what are you expecting to see on Saturday in person, Nick? Um, I expect to see Wake Forest really be battle-tested on defense because I'm kind of high on Haynes King, uh, like you said. Um, I don't think this is going to be the same Georgia Tech team that we've seen in the past. I think they're very, very much improved. They bought into Brent Key. Um, that Ole Miss score does not tell the whole story. They just kind of put up numbers towards the end that they really didn't need to. Um, they played Louisville very, very close until they gave up. I mean, they were winning that game by a lot at first. I think it was like 28 to 10 or 28 to 14 or something. Um, and they handled the South Carolina State team that they should have handled. You know, like they handled them very, very well. So – it's going to be an electric atmosphere, I think. I think a lot of fans are going to be pumped up for this game. Um, now, I think this will be a good test for both defenses because as much as I've given praise to Haynes King, the Georgia Tech defense has not looked really that good. It's kind of funny. They remind me of the Georgia Tech baseball team. Um, <laughs> because they've given up a lot of points to Louisville when they had a really good lead on them, and they've given up a lot of points to Ole Miss when they could have kept it a little bit closer. Um, now, Mitch has struggled, but we've seen a very good Mitch and a very bad Mitch in the same game. So he's got to be really, really dialed in because I don't think this is going to be the same Georgia Tech team where, oh, if you make a mistake, it's okay, like that won't happen again. No, this is the type of Georgia Tech team this year where it's going to come back and bite you in the butt. And Mitch was very fortunate to play in an elite level against Old Dominion where all the mistakes he made fortunately did not come back to bite him. Um, Wake's defense is obviously a lot better. They played amazing against Old Dominion. I think without turnovers that Mitch gave up, the defense allowed, what, three to seven points. Um, that's impressive. And to not give up anything in the comeback is also extremely impressive. So it's going to be a battle-tested game. This is going to go down to the wire. Uh, I think Georgia Tech covers. Uh, who knows? I, I could see a game-winning field, winning field goal by Wake. It's going to be close. I got Wake in this game, but it's going to be a hell of a game to watch. See, I think Wake's going to win by 10. I think this could be one of those things where Wake scores late to make it 10. Like maybe it's 7 and they kick a field goal, or maybe it's 3 and they score a touchdown. The biggest kryptonite for Georgia Tech this season has been their rush defense. Nick, did you know that Georgia Tech's rush defense is the third worst in college football? Yeah. Like, their passing defense has been very, like, not good, but 
like very like doable. You know, like they're 46th in the country in pass defense. They've given up 240 yards per game on the run. You know what Wake Forest is really dangerous at? Making teams afraid of the run. Claiborne's a great back. Is he this like absolute stud? Or he's like, you know, a Heisman type running back? No. But between him and Carney and Mitch Griffiths with his legs, like the slow mesh here could really mess up. Yeah. This oh, Louisville yeah, or Louisville. This Georgia exactly. Tech defense. Yeah. Like, because, again, what is Mitch going to do? And what he did really, really well in that Old Dominion comeback. He sat and sat and sat. Like, I think there were times, Nick, and again, this could just be me, like, counting too fast in my head. I swear him and Claiborne and him and Carney were sitting there for four seconds before someone took the ball. Yeah. That's a good, that's a Dave Clawson special team, and they're the only team I yeah. see do that. And Georgia Tech is going to have, like, if I'm Georgia Tech, and I think if, like, rightfully so, like, they're probably going to try to sell out on the run a little bit because I think that's where they know they're going to get beat if they just kind of sit back. Because, like, not that Mitch can't beat them in the air, right? But I think if I'm Georgia Tech, I want Mitch Griffiths to try to beat me in the air then shut down Mitch Griffiths' arm and say, okay, Mitch, okay, Claiborne, okay, Carney, run the ball on us, because they will. They absolutely will. So that's where I get a little bit scared for Georgia Tech, because, you know, I could see this game being a 38-28 to 28 type game, and, like, just over time, the, the run game slow, like really wears them down. Or what happens is, you know, they have a lot of success running the football, so then Georgia Tech adjusts to, to try to slow it. And that's where Mitch Griffiths hits, you know, our guy Taylor over the top for a 50-yard touchdown or something. So I really do think the slow mesh here can be Georgia Tech's worst nightmare because, again, because of their, their rush defense weakness, like, they're going to have, like, you can't really sell out for anything because, Wake Forest will literally wait for you to make a move first, and then they will respond. They will counter you. So that's where I think this could be. Like, this will tell us a lot about Georgia Tech's defense because I do think some of this numbers is skewed because Ole Miss is one of the best rushing teams in college football. <laughs> I mean, let's just be frank. Like, yeah. Ole Miss could potentially run for 300 yards on Alabama if things go their way this weekend. So I'm not trying to put too much against Georgia Tech here, but. I mean, they still had pretty bad defensive days stopping the run against Louisville as well. And even kind of struggled a little bit with, um, why am I drawing a blank on South Carolina State. So, yeah, I mean, again, we'll see, but that's kind of where my head's at with that one. I think Georgia, or excuse me, Wake wins by 10 points. We move on to the game that I will more than likely be in attendance for. North Carolina heads to pit, seven and a half point spread. In favor of the Tar Heels on the road, Nick. I'm just I'm just gonna do it because I've I have committed to the bit that Pitt is the worst ACC team. North Carolina hammers them. I am not Thank sold on this defense. Like you made a comment uh, week one about how if North Carolina can't slow this Minnesota offense down, then they really are bad. I want to take back your comment and say, if they can't slow this pit offense down, then they're really bad. Yeah. Like, this could be a game, Nick, 
where North Carolina has, has held to like 27 points. But I think this could be, for the first time in a long time, we see North Carolina hold somebody under 14. Because, I, I, dude, I am like, West Virginia has a good defense. I'm not pretending like they don't. But Cincinnati is not that great of a defensive ball club, and they kind of control. Like, Pitt has struggled against, like, that's the thing is, North Carolina is by far the best offense Pitt has seen all year. The only competent, and I mean this very literally because I think West Virginia's offense is also hot garbage. I think the only competent offense that they've seen this year was an Emory Jones-led Cincinnati team. I promise you this North Carolina team is 10, or again, I hate saying 10 times, is twice as good as this Cincinnati offense. Yeah. And you're telling me, like, it is 8 o'clock, I'm sure there's going to be a decent crowd for what is considered a pit home game and all this stuff, and, like, I, I, I hope it's competitive because if I'm there, I don't want to, you know, I'm traveling eight hours to, I don't really want to watch a blowout. But, I mean, gosh dang, man, like, until Pitt shows me something, I am out on them. I am like, I, I, I feel right now going into this week because of where, again, this is probably my bias kicking in. I feel like I'm going to be, we're going to be recording on Sunday night, Nick, and I'm going to feel even more strongly that Pitt's the worst team in the conference. I think Virginia, no matter what happens, unless they lose by five touchdowns to NC State and Pitt somehow beats North Carolina, I don't see where my my opinion gets changed. Because I really just do not see, like, I give credit where credit is due to Pitt and Pat Narduzzi. But I, he is giving off huge Dabo Sweeney vibes right now from the standpoint of I am not changing who I am. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. My job is not in jeopardy, so I'm going to do what I want, when I want. And, like, we thought Keaton Slovis was tough last year for Pitt. I'm sure every Pitt fan would die to have him back right now. Like, look, if if, if you are a Boston College fan, would you want Phil Dracovic back? I think the answer is no, and they just still don't really have a true quarterback. Yeah. Like, I mean this in all respect, because I think what Phil Dracovic did in 2020 needs to be, you know, commended. Or was it 21? Was it 21 when he blew up? Yeah. Was it 20 or 21? I don't know, whichever year he blew up. 21. I think it was 20. Yeah, 20 was 21, because it was the year that Bernard Armstrong blew up in Virginia. So all respect to him, of course. But I think there's a world... And I've been the first one to crap on Grant Wells. And I always hate crapping on kids, but this is a podcast where we have to give our opinions. And I hope no one ever takes it personally. And my opinion is like everyone's butthole. Everyone has one, so whether right or wrong. I genuinely, stories. right? Especially mine. Mine smells terrible. Wait, what? Um, <laughs> just kidding, guys. Relax. Um, I only wipe every once in a while. But... Phil Dracovic might be the worst quarterback in this conference. Yeah. And with what Pitt is from a standpoint of a very, like, and the Pitt defense is down. Are they, is Pitt a bottom three or four defense in this conference? Absolutely not. But are they, like, what they normally are, a top five? I don't think so. Like, this Pitt defense is not going to win you football games. 
this is a matchup nightmare, in my opinion, for Pitt. Because I think even in the world where Pitt's defense plays their best game all year, holds North Carolina to three touchdowns, four scores total, so I'm factoring a field goal, I still think in that world there's a legitimate case that that's a, still a, a two-score double-digit win for North Carolina. Like, the fact that I kind of feel like I might be going to watch a North Carolina pit game end with an over on, like, a, of a total point spread of, or total points of 34 or 37 or 40 is insane. Well, that's the only way I think this game is not a complete shit-kicking. Like, I, I hate how much, like, we were both going to bat for Pitt less than a month ago. And now we're sitting in a world where, you know, we, I give us credit. We were the first ones, I feel like, based off what I've kind of read the rumor around the HD podcast I listened to, to kind of be like, after that Wofford game, like, good blowout win, but looked a little shaky. Like, we were the first ones to kind of, like, point out, like, Something seems off. We didn't think it was this bad, but we thought something was off. Well, I mean, I've done a full 180 on Pitt. So, yeah, man, I mean, I just think that Drake May and this offense is too much for him, and I feel like my guy Elijah Huzzy, ETSU transfer, shout out to you, Elijah. I talked to, talked to your brother today about you. We were, he was giving me some cool insight about how, how he's liking North Carolina. But, um, you know, he might have two picks on Phil Dracovic in the first half. <laughs> like, I do, I'm just, and like, the worst part is, is Pitt is a very fair weather fan base. Losing that backyard brawl and losing their home game to Cincinnati, like, the, the only thing that's saving this game is obviously it's an 8 o'clock kick. So, like, people might just go because it's like a fun thing to do on a Saturday night. But even then, man, this could be one of those things where if Pitt's down 10 at the half, what is a 45,000? you know, person crowd turns into 24 like that because it's 10 o'clock. The bars in Pittsburgh will be fun. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I'm not lost for words, but I'm not feeling great <laughs> about Pitt. And I just think North Carolina covers this. If you're North Carolina, this is your chance to show everybody how dominant you are. It is. Yep. You want people to think, that you are a potential top 15, hopefully creeping into the top 10 type of team with a potential Heisman candidate, although I think those hopes have kind of dwindled down in the last three weeks. This is your shot. Now, it looked good against South Carolina, but we said you kind of have to prove it again against App State. And, you know, we kind of gave you another pass there. And Minnesota, an impressive win, but... Minnesota's no world beater. Like, I'm glad that the defense did what they were supposed to do against a mediocre to below average offense. Like, Minnesota, I still think, I mean, Wisconsin or Iowa is going to win the Big Ten West. And I don't think Minnesota will come close, to be honest with you. They might be the third team. I don't know. Um, they have to take advantage of this down Pittsburgh team. The offense is trash. Phil is not good. I don't know what Narduzzi is doing. Uh, everything seems to be lost up in Pittsburgh. This would be impressive if North Carolina can win this game by 14 on the road. Jake May has a hell of a day. 
And yeah, that, that that's how you earn people's respect. Like, okay, North Carolina's for real. They just did that on, to, on the road and kind of really like it. Pittsburgh's not dead, dead, but if they could bury them on at home, Oh my God. If they can finish off Pitt's season, that's huge for Carolina. That's huge. So that's kind of what I'm looking for in this game. I expect them to cover. I expect them to win. And I think Drake will have a good day. I really do. Um, and I think the defense, is gonna, the defense is going to continue to shine, I think, against this very bad Pitt offense. Yeah. Do you think that Pitt season's over with a loss? Like, no bowl game over? If they lose? Yes. Because they'll be, because they'll be. I'll, I'll read you the schedule because I have it pulled up. Yeah, they'll be one in. They'll be one in three, heading to Blacksburg for the night game next week. Then they get a bye, host Louisville, head to Wake, head to Notre Dame, host Florida State, head to Syracuse, host BC, head to Duke. Honestly, I don't even know if they win this game if they go bowling. Like I'm pretty sure if they lose, they are dead in the water because yeah, I don't yeah, think they're, they're winning at Duke. I don't think they win at Syracuse. Like, the Syracuse, Wake Forest, Louisville, BC stretch, and at, really at Virginia Tech, those five games, like, if you beat North Carolina, I now do think that, you know, four wins, like four and one in that is possible. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible. If you are, if you are one and three, you're not going five and oh in that stretch, and I don't think you're beating Florida State or winning at Notre Dame or at Duke. So, yeah, this uh, this really is a must-win for Pitt. I mean, it's kind of a must-win for North Carolina based off their aspirations as well for the season. But from a standpoint of, like, you know, we really haven't seen Pitt bottom out under Pat Narduzzi. We might see that this year, which is kind of crazy to think about. Okay, we move on to the last game of the weekend. Technically, it's one of the first games of the weekend, but we saved it for last. The noon kickoff in Death Valley between Florida State and Clemson. Clemson is a two-point home underdog. Nick, do you know how hard it is for me right now not to pick Clemson? I knew you were going to say that. You know how hard it is? Like, my heart. Like, I, I don't know what Dabo Sweeney did to me. Like, you know all these, all these people that are just, like, in love with Coach Prime and will defend him till he dies and all this stuff? I think Dabo did that to me. I will I will never stop loving Dabo. I don't know why. It drives me nuts. Like I'm like like I look at I watched the FAU condensed game again this today cuz I got bored at work for a little bit during my lunch break and I was like this team is so back. Look at what they did to this bad FAU team. They're back baby. Kate Klubnik, Heisman, bring it on. Like I was juiced and I'm like what am I getting so hyped about? It's freaking FAU. Like, I made myself watch the Charleston Southern first half. Like, the actual first half. Like, not in the condensed highlights. I put it on, like, on my, like, like I've, I have a three-monitor system in my office. It was on the far-left monitor, so, like I, like, I would have it as background noise, slash, like, I'd see it out of the corner of my eye, and I'd watch a play or two to remind myself what Clemson is at, at its worst. <laughs> like, I'm picking Florida State. I think by rule they like. I'm just gonna say Clemson covers just because like I'm trying to cover my butt. But 
I don't see a world where Florida State actually only wins by one point. But, I mean, like, this could be one of those games where, like, this two-point spread looks so stupid and Florida State wins by, like, three scores. (laughs) Because, like, let's be honest. What we've seen this year, I think that LSU's better than Clemson. I know Florida State obviously played a de facto home game against LSU, and but like, I think Florida State dodged a bullet by getting Clemson at noon. Could you imagine this is a night game? Right. Like, I think that's worth three points in the spread by itself. So, is Vegas trying to tell me they think Clemson's better than Florida State? Um, I mean. Dude, I'm telling you right now, I mean, I don't know if this game's going to be particularly close. Like, kind of what I said with NC State-Virginia, I could see this where if it's a close game, it's the underdog at home getting the win. Um, but, I mean, I, I just think that like Jordan Travis is the better quarterback. The better receiving core is by far at Florida State. I think that Florida State has the better pass, like the better up, like front seven on the defensive side of the ball, the better offensive line. Like, I think in all facets of the game, to be honest, Florida State is better than Clemson. That's weird to say. Is it is it astronomical at every spot? No. But, like, in the receiving core, I think it is. I think at the, in the quarterback position, it, it kind of is, too. So, give me Florida State. But, I mean, Nick, I want to hear your thoughts. Because, like, oh, yeah, I'm, my, my heart is saying Clemson. The rest of me, every logical piece of my body is like, no, it's Florida State. And it might be not even close. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say my heart is telling me Clemson, but I'm trying not to overthink it and say, you know what, Clemson could actually win this game. Um, I think I, – I just simply think Florida State is more talented. Um, I have not taken really much into consideration about the Boston College game. Uh, they were dominating – they let them crawl back in. They took the foot off the gas. It was Boston College, the Super Bowl, uh, the red bandana game, yada, yada. It was all of that, all into one. Um, but this is going to be a tough, tough test for Florida State. And let's say they win by three touchdowns. or that, I, I doubt that will happen. But let's say they win a respectable margin, like 14, maybe 17, something like that. I have to really say that Florida State is a top two team in this country, without a doubt. If they go to Death Valley and they reclaim the throne on the road and Jordan Travis puts up numbers and the defense looks really good and they win like how I said they might be able to, brother, they are the number two team in this country and they are nipping at the Bulldogs' heels right now. Now, it's going to be close, I think, though. I think Florida State will win this, I think, by no more than 10. I think it will be close throughout the whole game. I think Death Valley is a real thing. I think the home field advantage is a real thing down there. Um, But if Florida State wins, where where is Clemson at this point? Like, they, they... they're, they're playing for their season tomorrow, or I mean on Saturday. 
I mean, you go, you're 0-2 in week four. You're 0-2 in conference. Like, your championship hopes are almost but gone. Like, this is a game Clemson needs to have. They are already in a hole. So I think Florida State's going to into a death trap. I think it could be a bear trap for them. But there's a lot of pressure on this Clemson team. If they don't win this, there's a different number two team going to Charlotte. Just saying. So a lot of pressure on Dabo, a lot of pressure on these Tigers. You're right. Well, that's all I've got, Nick. I mean, this is going to be – It'll be a good weekend for sure. I mean, is it the best weekend we've had? I always like the weekends that have more ACC games on the line. But again, like, we've had a good year to point. But I think this is by far the best uh, spaced out weekend, right? I mean, we got two very good noon games. I think, again, we got a good, like, 6.30, obviously. So, kind of appetizer for, you know, uh, North Carolina and Pitt. I think the 3.30 window is by far the lightest. But, I mean, I don't hate, you know, Boston College, Louisville. That's, again, at least got some ACC, you know, impact for sure. So, I'm excited, Nick. Again, when we get to be in person together on Friday, this is our, uh, our first college football game together. We've done some college baseball. We've done some minor league baseball. But we haven't done college football yet. I know. Look at us. It sucks. Sucks that your team's probably going to shit on my team, but hey, I'm used to it, so it's okay. <laughs> you know, guys. In case you didn't know, uh, Virginia does not win when Nick and I go to Virginia events together because we've gone to two baseball games. And how did that turn out for me? So, uh, Nick, maybe the third time's the charm. I you guess know? we'll see, man. I guess we'll see. Uh, um, give me some hotel suggestions because i saw one that was at a decent price and in charlottesville yes if it's a decent price send it to me because i'm actually kind of shocked with it being a game night because even though we're not a huge college football town like just like everywhere else they just shoot up the prices just because so send me the hotel nick i mean i i never stay when i'm in charlottesville like if i do i stay at my friend's house so like i don't know hotels for me in charlottesville um because, like, when I when I grew up in Virginia, I mean, I grew up two and a half hours away. So, uh, you know, especially at the time, you know, I was balling on a budget. I'd rather sleep. I never did, but I would have rather slept in the back of my minivan than try to justify, you know, a $200 hotel in Charlottesville when, you know, the next cheapest hotel town is probably Lexington, which is an hour south. And at that point, I'm halfway home. Right. So I was like, I might as well just go home at that point. I'm like, there's a rest area between the two. So if I was really that tired, which again, never happened. But like, if I ever would have been, I could have just stopped at the rest area, taken a power nap, and then got back on the road and gone home. But, you know, so it's new, new, new area for me. But let me send it to me, Nick, and, and we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, you know, we'll, what we'll do Friday night after the game is I'll still show you around a little bit at night. And, you know, maybe in the morning, depending on what time I need to get out. To go to wherever I'm going, you know, maybe I'll show you around then on Saturday morning for a little bit. But uh, it's going to be fun. I'm excited to see Nick. Nick, I get to introduce you to someone special. Hope you're excited for that. I think you know who I'm talking about. Yes, Mary. <laughs> so, so uh, 
I, I don't know if she listens, Nick, so I think we're okay, but, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be good to see her too. I haven't seen her since the bowl game, so it's going to be great, man. I, I always love going back to Charlottesville, like no matter the outcomes, like I appreciate your compliments, Nick, because sometimes like, I feel like, you know, my opinions on Virginia are like too harsh, but like, I do really think that I'm a pretty level-headed and realistic fan, and when I have my outbursts, like, I think they're warranted with how much, like, considering what my salary is and how much financial investment, time investment, emotion investment, and how many years I've been doing this. Like, it's not like, oh, I hopped on when they made the Orange Bowl, and now I'm just a cranky Virginia fan that doesn't understand losing. Like, yeah, and my first true, like, die-hard year was 2013, where I went to 10 to 12 games in a year we went 2 and 10. So nobody can say that I'm not like a loyal fan. So at least I have that to hang my hat on. So I'm excited to see you on Friday, Nick. I'm excited for my chicken parm um, that you'll be handing to me when I see you after the game since you're going to be there so late. Uh, make sure you put it in a warmer. But it's actually pretty good cold too. So, um, And uh, yeah, Nick, I can't wait. Uh, as always, thank you everybody for listening. It means just a little bit less here in ACC country. And as always, go ACC.